Welcome to Divorce Is Not A Destination, the podcast that's here to help you move forward from divorce into a dynamic, fulfilling life. I'm Divorcee and your host, Dr. Lisa Summerhour, and I'm excited to be your guide on this journey. Hey, Janice, you are the first one on. You actually beat mommy in here tonight. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. Well, good to see you. Good to see you. Hopefully, we're going to have a few more people joining. I did remember to send a thing out today on Facebook. Um, I kind of had someone tell me early on not to worry about the numbers that are in the room live because we're trying to make sure we get people in the replay. So I'm always counting on the replays. But I feel like I'm in pretty good company. I'm checking in with some of the other, especially the women who have shows on Fireside so that we can support each other and realize that I'm, because I got in early, I'm kind of one of the early Firesiders. So that's always cool. Um, I'm going to remind you, I'm going to start reminding you of some of the other shows that are on that I think you might enjoy catching. One of them is Monica. She is a woman out of Atlanta. She is actually a private investigator. And uh, I caught her show this week. And so we try to catch each other's shows if we don't catch them live, we catch the replays. But I was able to get her live this week, and last week we were all on with Stephanie. So I am Dr. Lisa Summerhour, and it's good to be here this Thursday evening. I'm the creator of a program called Divorce is Not a Destination. I work with successful women. Hey, Monica, I was just talking about you. So everyone, click on Monica. She's the woman I was just telling you about, so you can catch her show on Wednesday nights. Right, Monica? Wednesday, Tuesday, or Wednesday? Look, Click her, and you'll see it. Anyway, I work with successful women in high-profile positions who have uh, either experienced a breakup or divorce, or they are on the brink of a breakup or divorce. And I work with them in, in, with things that I know that they're in need of because I've been there. And that's having support, community, and confidentiality as they get through this period in their life. And the four major things that I work them, with them on is one, accountability. I believe when you start taking accountability, it is the most empowering thing you can do, and it's a step in that direction. I work with them on designing alignment so that they have alignment between how they're showing up in the world and their values, their faith, the things that are important to them. We work on communication so they learn to communicate with confidence and no guilt. And then the fourth thing is trust. I really believe when, when people who have gone through a divorce or a breakup or anything that has been traumatic, learning to trust yourself again is the most important thing that you can do for yourself because if you can trust yourself, it enables you to be able to trust other people. So that is my program. And this podcast, Divorce is Not a Destination, is an extension of, of those things. So I'm always excited to be here on Thursday. Hey, Anthony and Jill. <gasps> Anthony and Jill are on two separate boxes, uh, circles today. Way to go. And Jill, I caught some of your thing. I actually had one of my aunts on your show the other day. Um, I think she, I, one of them used to do Weight Watchers and there she is. Nadine, say hello to Jill. I think she knows you already from tracking you on your show. So tonight I'm actually going to be talking about the cost of divorce, the financial cost of divorce. Um, there are a lot of other costs. There are emotional costs. And for some people it's physically debilitating, but I wanted to have a show where I actually talk about the money and some of the myths around divorce. And I'm going to, I'm going to start off with one of those right now. Because, you know, a lot of people think that women somehow end up rich after a divorce. And this is probably because you see these really high profile divorces like Jeff Bezos divorce, I think, was thirty eight million billion dollars. I actually saw something that said one hundred and sixty billion, but I'm pretty sure it was thirty eight billion when it got settled. Um, and, and it's just astronomical. They say that it's probably a divorce. No one will ever beat that amount, hopefully, because they've learned from it. But the average woman, the average divorce is somewhere between fifteen dollars and $20,000. So most people are not dealing with numbers like that. Um, and so they are not, turn up the, um, they are not, thank you, mom. They are not, they, they don't have that much money in the game for somebody to walk away from a divorce and get rich from it. The reality is for most women after a divorce, they are financially, they are impacted negatively financially, most women after going through a divorce. Um, matter of fact, trying to make ends meet for women after a, a divorce is actually quite difficult. A lot of them, their household income, the average, it falls about 23% after them going through a divorce. So it's not a money-making scheme. You know, we hear about these gold diggers. I think it's just the result of folks watching too much television 
Or, you know, if we see something happen with entertainers, things that are going to make prominent news, we think that that's the norm. And that really isn't the case. For a lot of folks, it's exactly opposite. The other thing for women after a divorce is caring for the children. So they end up with the children. They are now have, have less money coming in in order to do that. And even with child support, the finances are different for them. And so that, that creates another, and you can look up some of this information on the United States uh, Census Bureau information. Maintaining a home, uh, I'm gonna talk a little bit more about the whole home ownership or maintaining a home after a divorce. For a lot of women, and I know several, after a divorce, even after a death, the idea of staying in your home, staying in their home was this sense of comfort. I don't wanna be uprooted. You know, I don't want my children to be uprooted. The downside of that is a lot of people can't afford those homes by themselves. And so you really have to figure out if it's worth having this attachment to this place, this thing, because it's still a, a thing. If it's worth having this attachment to your home, and I, and I get it, I'm on my fourth home. I understand all of the things that we pour into making a house a home. But when you sit down and look at the numbers, you need to make sure it makes sense. So I'm gonna talk about having a, a support team to help with all of that as well. And then the other one where women often suffer is preparing for retirement. Many women are so busy trying to make ends meet after divorce that they're not ready for retirement. And when you factor in the fact that women live about five or six years longer than men, I think our life expectancy now is somewhere a little over 81 years. Praise God, thank you. Let's hope we can edge that up a little bit further. A little. I'd like to, I'd like to get to 90. Monica, you wanna to get to 100 with me? Uh, we could be on fireside not remembering who we are, but still talking. Um, but if you're if you're going to outlive folks and not have enough money, your quality of life is going to be drastically impacted. So these are I, I wanted to start with this because I really wanted to get deal with some of these myths. <laughs> we can hear you now. Thank you, Anthony. I wanted to deal with some of these myths that people have about um, just women, you know, being gold diggers and somehow going through a divorce and it sets them up for life because that truly is a rarity when that kind of thing happens. The folks that many of us know and deal with, if you ask them, they may be okay if they were fortunate enough that they were both working and they've amassed a little bit of, uh, of, of wealth or stability in the home or investments are doing well. But typically for a woman after a divorce, she's going to have a difficult time. So Let's talk about what some of the finance situations are, what the cost of a divorce actually is, like how much do they cost? So I said earlier, it's about 17,000, 17 and a half. So somewhere between 15 and 20,000 is about the average for a divorce, but you can get them cheaper than that. You can now go online and do divorces yourself. I can attest to having one that was $500. I did it myself. Um, he wasn't arguing about it and all I had to do was get all of the paperwork done and get it, you know, submitted to the court. And we both signed it and it was probably maybe a little over 500. I think I might've had to pay a, another fee to the court to, to file, but that was a few years ago. Um, and I don't recommend, you know, I don't recommend doing a divorce yourself, but if you're both young, you're both in agreement, you don't own anything, <laughs> you have nothing to lose. You're not arguing over anything. It doesn't cost anything to look into it. But typically you're going to have the attorney fees, you're going to have court costs. Um, you may have, some people say uh, things that you already have expenses on that have to have to be taken care of. You might have mediation. Uh, this is a big thing for a lot of people now to go to a mediator to try to get things resolved so that your fees for your attorney don't turn into something that neither one of you had, had anticipated and nobody wants to pay for. Um, it could be cost involved in refinancing your home. So I'm going to talk about, do you sell your house before the divorce, during the divorce, or after the divorce? And what are some of the pros and cons of doing that? So some money tips for you to help you financially as you're dealing with the divorce. Definitely seek financial advice. Like I said, unless you are really, really young and don't have anything, you, you, neither neither one of you really have any skin in the game. And, and uh, Anthony, I think you and I had a conversation about finances once before with divorce. For most people, it would benefit you to talk to a financial advisor. If you're if you grown folk, you want to get a, a financial advisor. If you're dealing with things like stocks, your home, your assets. 
um, even retirement funds. All of these things are, are things that you want to spend some time talking to a financial advisor. So you're going to have an attorney that can advise you with your legal things, but definitely get somebody who is, is skilled and really aware of finances. I was just on a call with some divorce coaches a couple of days ago, and a woman had asked, you know, how do I find out what money my, my spouse has, what, where, where their money is being kept? And they can do... This might be another one for Monica. You know, they have people that do, you know, financial forensics, basically. And they will go deep and make sure that they are looking through the uh, bank statements. And one of the things I, I was listening to a woman who specializes in high-end divorces. Her clients are usually, they're the ones that might end up with money. They're, they're, she specializes in people who are married to CEOs. Of, of major corporations who are getting divorced. And so she's got a lot of background dealing with the finances. And she said, even then, you know, they find an accountant, they get somebody that's going to look at the bank statements. And she said, you'd be amazed how much information you can learn from a bank statement. And that leads them down other trails. Typically, this is not an, an issue for most people, but it's not that uncommon for folks to want to try to hide money. And I, I had had a friend of mine a few months ago who was a divorce, specialized as a divorce attorney. And I did a little bit of work with him trying to help get some of his papers and everything organized. So I was privy to some of this information, trying to help him get documents together. And he was telling me, you know, there are people, even just regular everyday folks, where folks don't want to divulge that they had a second account, they had a second checking account or another bank account, or they had a savings account that they had with a friend somewhere else. And so these things do happen. So you want to make sure that you have the right people on your team so that you know, they know what to look for, even if you're not thinking about that. So don't get caught by surprise because you just weren't aware. This is why shows like this are good because you may not think about it. Um, it's it's uh, an, uh, another conversation I, I was in last week of the same thing with these coaches. The woman's husband told her, we don't need to get an attorney. We can handle this ourselves. I'm gonna give you the option of uh, staying in the house and uh, or taking this amount of money and you could leave the house. And so he basically told her she had two options. So of course her her coach at the time told her you need to find an attorney and you might want to go ahead and get an accountant while you're at it. If your if your attorney can refer you to an accountant so that you have somebody to speak to. So being ignorant is rarely good. They say uh uh ignorance is bliss. Ignorance is not bliss. It's just ignorant. It, it really is. There's nothing blissful about being ignorant. Um, be prepared to make some sacrifices and be conscious at this point of being really frugal with your money. If you're coming into a divorce or you're planning that one is going to happen, whether you're the one initiating it or you think your, your spouse is going to initiate it, start getting really frugal with your money. Start paying attention to where you're spending. Start gathering your documents um, on your finances. If you are still on speaking terms with your spouse, this is a good time to have that conversation about let's look at where all of our money is and where all the documents are so that you have what you need when you do go speak to your attorney. It's always better um, if you're able to agree to work together. You know, uh, uh, they, that unconscious coupling, uncoupling is, is real. There are people that are able to do that. Um, and then we also know that there are a lot of people that uh, a friend of mine calls it aggressive, aggressively separating. And, and we probably know people who have done it on both sides, but do everything that you can use your due diligence to try to be aware. Even if you just start writing a list of things that you think, you know, in terms of money, it, it's unfortunate that we still have women. And I'm going to say women, cause it's typically the ones that I have, have seen, it's been women who don't really know what's going on with their finances. You know, I have uh, family members who have lost spouses who weren't aware of what was going on with the bills at the time because they weren't the one responsible for paying them. And you really, if you're listening and you're not going through a divorce, you have no intention, you don't think it's ever going to be you, make sure you are paying attention to what's going on with the finances. And if this is going to be a shock to your partner that you're asking, do it because anything could happen. It doesn't have to be a divorce. It could be an accident. It could be a death. And you don't want to be home. You don't want to be caught by surprise, not having a clue 
what's going on with your finances or even having access to checking accounts to to where you can get your hands on the money should something happen so that's just a little sidebar when we're talking about um, these financial things as soon as you are aware that a divorce is happening that's when you want to get a separate account if you don't already have a separate checking account savings account you definitely want to start separating your finances when as soon as you can if you're listening to this and you are blissfully happily married and you do not have your own checking account i just want to ask you why i'm gonna leave that sit there just for a minute why don't you have a separate account because even if you are the person staying at home god bless you if you uh, um, have that situation where one person is working outside the home and the other one can afford to be home that's awesome i i know folks like that i used to dream of it um, I would still probably be doing something like this to have something to do, but you, anything could happen on any given day and you need to be able to have access to your finances should something happen and you need to have funds that are yours. So even if you aren't working outside the home, there should be, and I'm saying the should word, I know you shouldn't should on people, but I'm shooting all over everybody right now. So forgive the shoulds. You ought to have something that's yours so that even if they are putting money in it every time they get paid so that you have access to cash when you need it or finances when you need it so just keep that in mind having a, a sense of independence and being knowledgeable and being able to be a really good supporter of your partner however your relationship is working because it really is different for everybody and you need to do what works for you but if you're not planning um, the things that you do have control over shame on you because it's too late after something happens and you can't get into an account to get any money or things go into probate. And uh, we had an attorney in the state of California when my mother got all the finances in order when my dad was really ill. Um, he was so ill at the time. She couldn't do the transfer of anything on the house because he, his dementia, he had Parkinson's related dementia and he wasn't coherent enough for them to say he was signing of his own free will. So, but the attorney explained to us then, because we were coming from the East Coast, that you don't want to be in probate in the state of California because they could end up with 35 to 40%. Imagine that, 35 to 40% of your funds could end up going to the state of California, all because you didn't get the proper legal documents taken care of to make sure somebody in your family had control of finances if something happened to you so this is important for divorce but this is important just for life know what is going on with the finances in the home that you live in and with the people that you share your life with um figure out what your post-divorce income you're getting a lot of sidebars these are like little bonus tidbits little bonus tidbits um determine what your post-divorce income is going to be your post-divorce income. And I'm trying to think of the best way to explain this. So if you've ever bought a home, when you go in and talk to the finance people, they will give you this little breakdown of what you can afford. And it's usually more uh, than you really can afford because they don't know how much food you buy. They don't know what your gas costs. They don't know what kind of car. So I, we used to tell people, Take the financial information that the mortgage broker or the company gives you and then go home and sit with your partner or finance person or something and really look at what all your expenses are so you can get an accurate estimate of what you can truly afford when it comes to a home. Now, when you're going through a divorce or planning on going through a divorce, you really want to look at what is your actual income. And my aunt Nadine is on here, so I may have to get her on here later because she's got a good story about when she left her, her ex uh, when it comes to moving into her new place. You want to know what are you going to actually be able to afford after the divorce? Now, you may be able to have a rough idea if you're getting spousal support or child support. But if you're getting child support, that's going to help you with the home. But it's it's pretty much because you have a child. So you need to factor in that money going to your child and some of that being able to contribute to the home that your child will be living in with you if you're the primary care uh, parent. But you need to be able to look at your own income because a lot of people have gotten so used to the incomes being merged that they're not thinking about, I'm only going to have one income. And this is how women and, and some men 
can end up in a home and be all excited because they have the kids and the home and things aren't going to change. And they don't realize what the home expenses actually were, or they learn too late that what they're making is not going to allow them to stay in that house and then maintain the lifestyle that they had gotten used to. You will look like you're maintaining your lifestyle because your friends see you still in your home, still driving your car. But if I tell people, I don't want to eat catfish unless I want to eat catfish. I, I mean, a cat food. I don't want to eat cat food because I have to. And I think the prices have gone up even on cat food. I'm not even sure if that's even a good one anymore. I have to find something else that I might be stuck eating. But you know what I'm saying? You don't want to be you don't want to be presenting like you're living in a lifestyle that looks comfortable and that you can afford when you realize you really can't afford it. And these are the homes where mom, you remember when we used to we used to have a hobby on the weekends, we would go to open houses uh, where we lived in Wisconsin. And we would go to open houses in these neighbor in the neighborhoods where we used to think, you know, where we didn't see a whole lot of us. And we would get in these houses and be so disappointed because the house we thought was in such great shape. And then when you get in there, you realize these people can't afford this house. We've been driving by these big houses thinking, oh, they're living large. They're not living large. They're just living in large houses that they should have moved out of because they can't afford them. And that is something that can happen to people after a divorce because we sometimes get attached to the home. We get attached to what the home represents, right? We get attached to the lifestyle and we get um, sucked into the fact that our life is getting ready to change so drastically because of this divorce. And we want to look like we can maintain as much normalcy and as much of what we had as we possibly can. So basically to short, sometimes we're fronting a little bit. Sometimes it's just an emotional attachment to this home. And we really are grasping at, I just need to salvage something of my old life so I don't feel like I'm losing everything. And this is why it's so important to have a good attorney, to have a good finance person. And I'm even going to say a good therapist because y'all know I am an advocate for therapy. I'm a coach. Therapy is different. And if you've got a couple of good friends and family members that can talk to you, um, those are folks that you want to have in your corner as well, because with that kind of a support team, it's going to be a lot easier for you to sit down and realize keeping this house is not in my best interest. It's not in my best interest. So um, where is your income when you're looking at your post-divorce income? Figure out where is your income going to be coming from? Is it the job that you have now? Do you need to be looking for a job that's going to be paying you more money? If you didn't work during your marriage, um, hey there, Monica, this is probably right up her alley. Um, if you didn't work during your marriage, you're now going to be looking for a job, uh, hopefully. And if so, what do you need to be looking for? And do you need to start brushing up on skills? And I'm going to pause here because I want to see what Monica wants to, wants to drop in here for us because I know it's going to be good. How are you doing? Girl, look at Dr. Ruth. <laughs> now, let me, let, me, let me tell you what you ain't going to do. You ain't got my big sexy house. I want to fake it till I make it. I'm going to stay here and be a squatter till they put me out. Okay? Wait, you going to squat in your own house? I'm going to squat till they foreclose on me. Till they foreclose. Well, look, I'm going to tell you some secrets. You can sell furniture slowly and people won't notice right away. Okay, because that'll That's keep true. a little money. That'll keep a little money coming. And then you can start selling some clothes and some shoes right away. Because won't nobody notice too much of that either. But you know but. what, Lisa? Seriously, <laughs> you know I love you. So well, let me let me tell you how much I love you. Now I just got finished working a damn investigation. I'm trying to run to the damn TJ Maxx. I done pulled over so I can support your show. You know I got to love you, girl. I need to get into the TJ Maxx before they close. Go to TJ, okay? go to TJ Maxx and just watch out for people running in there and running out with bags of stuff. Because you know TJ Maxx and Ross have been getting hit with people flash stealing. Girl, look at here. You know, I and you know what? In the name of Jesus, I don't, I don't, I don't want to support violence. But you I know, know. I, I, I pack. Okay, I know. So I don't. I, but you know what? I think you could do your podcast from jail, but it's gonna be a problem getting your nails done. See, and I know you like see, your nails done. And see, girl, and I'm cute. I'm cute. Y'all see yeah. how cute she is. Girl, and I like to get my nails done and my, and, and my little hair done, girl. So mm -hmm. you are so right. So I can't shoot yeah. nobody. So don't shoot TJ nobody. Max. No, because if, right. if TJ Maxx right. isn't shooting them, don't you shoot them. Just let them you go right. with the 45 persons you and go to that station right. wagon. You so right. You so right. So <laughs> thank you for popping in. Thank you for popping so, in. So no, this is what I want to taste with yeah. real quick. 
from an investigative standpoint, you know I'm a private detective. Yeah. I have worked hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of domestic slash adultery cases. Mm-hmm. And one of the biggest challenges that I see when a couple is divorcing is exactly what you were talking about. Pure mismanagement of funds and the unwillingness to adjust to the new normal. Mm. I mean, divorce is already hard. And when they have this mindset of you're you're not going to disrupt my lifestyle, you're not. And if it means that I have to cripple you financially for Mm -hmm. you not to disrupt my lifestyle, they do that. And I and part of what I do as a private detective is not just uncover the adultery. It's not about that. It really is helping people to go through the divorce process, but come out of it healthy in mind where mm-hmm. they're not vindictive and angry and bitter and you know I mean girl I'd rather be in a studio apartment but happy than yep. living in a 20 room mansion and miserable with somebody damn son it, it, it doesn't yep. make any sense mm-hmm. You have to let go and let God. And a lot of times, and you know what's interesting to me hmm. is that when I look at the ratio of my clients that are going through divorces, you know who has the hardest time between, a, just guess who has the hardest time between a man and a woman when they go through a divorce? Just, just take a, just take a guess. Oh, see, it depends because most of my clients are women. But I'm going to tell you, I think men struggle in a different way, and I think they recover differently. I think emotionally, we see the women going through it. We just don't see it in the men. So what do you see? What do you see? Tell me. So you know what? That is such a fantastic point. Women have the hardest time dealing with divorce. Men, they struggle in a different way. But when I tell you they get to hell on with their lives. Well, their recovery is find me another woman. For a lot girl, of they men. get they get on with it. They get on with it. They get on, and it's the woman, girl. They get oh, and this is gonna sound terrible. So everybody in the audience, please don't think don't think bad of me. But girl, they get fat. They get crazy. They eating cookies and ice cream twenty four hours a day, seven days a week, and they get they get bitter and they angry. get angry and they angry. don't get past it. And girl, the men. The men, they struggle with it for a minute. It messes with their self-esteem. They wonder, do I still have it? Soon as they go hit it, they quit it. They and, got it. They, girl, they get they, a little piece and they find out they still got um, it. Girl, they go. They go. Now, now but the women, years down the road, girl, girl they woke, still you struggle. Woke, you done woke Anthony up. Because um, <laughs> you, you done woke Anthony up. Hold on one minute, Anthony. No, you, you're, you're right. Men have a different type of recovery. Yes. And the reality is one of the ways to recover, part of that recovery is in meeting someone new because it is an instant boost of, for your self-esteem. Very it's true. Instant boost for Very your self-esteem. True. Very true. Unfortunately, men ought to, now we're all, we're generalizing and we know it, but it's a podcast and you ain't paid to be here. But so see, that's why Anthony want to bring his know, little handsome I'm stuff a, up I'm here, want to debate somebody. Don't let him up, Lisa, don't you know let him I'm going to let him sit there for a minute. He ain't going nowhere. But I want to say this because the, the downside of that kind of, that kind of recovery, if we want to call it that, is you mm-hmm. don't take time to do any self-reflection. There you go. Because women are also more likely to be in therapy for a longer period of time, to spend time trying mm-hmm. to read 20 books and all this kind of stuff. And I'm preaching from the choir, not to the choir. I'm preaching from yep. the choir. Um, yep. And and that's, that is typical. Now, obviously, there are outliers. That's not for everybody. It is, it's not a gender right. thing. But when we look at men and women from a research perspective, those are two things that often hold true. And, and if one feeds on the other. So if he runs True. off and finds somebody quicker, I, I just mm-hmm. with somebody, I, I'm writing, uh, writing a book, I'm writing Divorce is Not a Destination, and I'm going to have a whole chapter on the funny stuff that happens. And one of mine was, we both moved on. And I, I said, you know, I, I started dating about five or six months after we split up. And his was about five or six months too, but his was five or six months before we split up. So he had a See. little jump on me. Um, yep. <laughs> the problem with that is you don't have time for self-reflection. Yeah. You don't have but I'll time. tell you what I've noticed that's interesting is that in the in the recent investigations that I've worked, um, I, this is going this is going to blow your mind. Between men and women, ninety five percent of the women that will call me and ask me to conduct an investigation back out. 
They do uh, not want it. They do they not want to know. know the truth. They don't want to know. That, it blows that my mind. Me. You know what? Lisa, it doesn't surprise me. It shocks me. After 25 years, why. it stuns me. It now, I go. would pay you. I would pay you and buy you lunch because I want to know. I want video footage. I want to know her mm-hmm. shoe size before. But we let me tell you, the man, 100 percent of the men, and I told you, I worked over seven thousand investigations. I probably worked about maybe four to five hundred domestic adultery cases. That's a lot of mm-hmm. cases. That's a lot of cases. One, 100% of the men that call me and say, I suspect my wife is having an affair, they want answers. They yeah. will see it through. The women, 95% of the time, they drop out of it. They will they'll tell call you me. Why, uh, I'm going to tell you why that Please tell me because I promise you I don't understand. Years ago, my mother told me, and I mean years ago, I might have been in high school. Maybe I was in my 20s. So I don't even know why we were talking about it because I wasn't married yet. But anyway, my mom would tell us, the average, oh, I, it was just relationships in general, but people cheating. She said the average woman, excuse me, it's something like 75 to 80 some percent of women stay in the relationship, in the marriage, even after the man has an affair. Hello. Hello. And so that's probably why, because they already know they're probably not going to leave. Now, my mother also said having an affair it may not be the worst thing that happens in your marriage. If you it isn't. Have, it, right. She said, because it's a mistake, like any mistake. And it's not a deal out, breaker. Right. I've always <laughs> said that. I'm not yeah. married, Lisa. I'm yeah. single. But if I was to get married, it's it. when I was in my 20s, it mm-hmm. was a freaking deal breaker for me. But now, girl, please, no. It ain't no deal breaker. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's too well, much pooty out here. It's too much pootang out here. Well, you kidding this me? The, this is the thing. She said, she said it's all relative. She said, if you've been married 10, 15 years and your spouse, he or she has an affair, you need to be sitting down and going to therapy and figure out what happened. Because there might you know be a breakdown. The, you, the, but wait true, a minute. But, you know, but wait a minute. Girl. But if he has an affair while you're on your honeymoon, leave him. Come on. Leave him. Cause see this. See, let me see what Anthony. Oh no! Come on, Anthony. He, he come his Jesus hand on his chin. What you got? Take no. the wheel. Take the wheel, Jesus. <laughs> take the wheel, now, Jesus. Now, see, I, I was just gonna talk about you know men and when they get divorced and how they recover, but now you talk, you, you Doctor Lisa, you mentioned a man that cheats on his honeymoon. Yeah, 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 I know someone that Who did, did that. that. Mm-hmm. Gone, yeah. there's on a honeymoon for a week, and for five days he was gone. Yes, yeah, <laughs> gone. People don't even know some of the crazy. So I'm actually reading a book by a, a high-powered divorce attorney out of I think he's out of Chicago, and one of the stories he tells is a woman walking in his office saying, "I'm file. I want to file for divorce." He said, "How long you been married?" She said, 17 days." He said, "What?" He said, uh, she said, he cheated on me. And he said, okay, well, when? She said, on our honeymoon. He said, well, had he ever cheated on you before? She said, yeah, like a year or so ago when we were dating. But I thought after, you know, the wedding and we're planning and we had it and it would be. And so this would be one of those scenarios where my mom would say, you shouldn't be marrying him yet. That's right. You shouldn't be marrying him yet because you need to get enough history to see that this is not something he can. And the attorney literally said that he said, yeah, you need to get divorced him. You need to divorce him. Mm-hmm. Now, y'all know I need to get back to the finance stuff. Real I quick. agree. Hey, but, hey, but before you go, Anthony, now, go ahead. really what I came to the stage for is I'm the only man in the audience. I see you. I see oh. you. <laughs> and I have been uh-uh, divorced. Wait, thought is in here, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Me and wait, thought. Me and Waitbot ride Holding bikes together every Wait weekend. <laughs> but look, I, I've been divorced twice. The first time I got divorced, which is the, the mother of my of my children, um, I didn't want to file divo- for a divorce, but I had to. I had to. And, and we won't even get into that. But there was no adultery. Mm-hmm. But here's the thing. Right after I got my divorce, the first time... I was happy all the time. I was happy, happy, happy. People would walk up to me. Why are you so damn happy? <laughs> I said, I just got divorced. <laughs> you know? Happily divorced. Happily divorced. That, yeah. That's right. That cloud that was hanging over me every day was gone. How about was that? Gone. Mm-hmm. Now, on the second divorce, I am the one that filed for divorce after 30 days. 
Oh, wow. Wow. Okay. And, and that was a, a mental illness situation, not on my oh, wow. part, mm-hmm. but on, wow. on, on her part. Um, and, and I'm not even going to go into detail mm-hmm. on that. But in that time, I was also smiling <laughs> every mm-hmm. day once I got divorced. But the difference between the first time and the second time, the second time, the first time, I had to, you yeah. know, I didn't really want to, mm-hmm. yeah. but I had to. Yeah. So my mindset once I got divorced was different. Right. In mm. my mind, I still thought like a married man. So it took mm. maybe, I don't know, maybe six months before I was even ready to date anybody. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but the second time <laughs> I was on it quick. <laughs> mm-hmm. See? Well, Anthony, thank you for being honest with us, because we like having we like having men folk that give us that other perspective, especially when we know we got you outnumbered on here. But I, I want to thank both of you for for stepping in. Hi, Sonia. How you doing? And I see Sonia just gave you a heart. So I'm going to get on with it. Look, you're going to Ross. Yep. Where are you going? Ross? Get on with it. Yeah, I'm at the TJ Maxx. Love you, boo. Got to run in Love here you. for this bit, for the damn thing closed. Love you. All right. Love your show. Bye. Bye. Crazy so everybody, this Love is you Monica. Too, Monica is in Atlanta, but look for her. Look for her podcast on here. She, as you heard, she is a private investigator. She has been at it. She is one of the best in the business. Hands down, <laughs> bar none. She's still on Thank here listening. You. I'm bragging on you. Get off of here so you don't hear me bragging all over you. Bye, girl. Bye. When you're you're looking at these finances, folks, whether you're on the brink of or going through, or maybe you've already gone through a divorce and there are some things that you still need to be looking at, one of them is to consider starting your own retirement plan. So again, you need to talk to a finance person. You need to get get with somebody who handles retirement and figure out what do you need to do to start your own retirement plan. Now, this should be for everybody involved, both people involved, but I'm always trying to advocate for women because a lot of this stuff we're just not thinking about. And since we do tend to outlive uh, men or our partners or whomever, you want to make sure that stuff's in place. If you are um, friends with somebody that you know going through a divorce, this is the information that you want to kind of start talking to them about so that they're thinking about it. Um, when they do have these moments of clarity and they can start planning. I'll tell you, sometimes the one thing that can get you grounded when you are going through something like a divorce or a really difficult breakup, sometimes having really relevant things to take care of can help keep you grounded and focused and keep you from being able to, from making emotionally based decisions, right? Because you really don't want to make rash, emotionally based decisions. That's how we end up in houses that we can't afford or spending money just because it's making us feel good because we were feeling so bad. And now you realize you probably shouldn't have bought that sports car while you were going through your divorce. That didn't make any sense. Um, I know a couple who was in the middle of buying a home and then started talking about divorce started going through the divorce process and the the husband went out and bought a new Denali, a new truck. And so they ended up going through a divorce, not being able to get the house. Everything just started falling apart. But you just kind of wonder why are people spending money like that when they're already in a relationship trouble? And it's because people get emotional and they're not thinking, well, it's just, I deserve this. I want this. I'm going to get what I want. And they're not thinking. And you can put yourself in a a deep hole by making rash decisions, especially when you're already going through uh, relationship problems. Then we get to the house. Then we get to the house. And I got a a little list of things to talk about when we get to the house because it's probably the biggest investment that most couples are going to have is buying a home. Uh, the next thing might be, you know, maybe helping to finance your kids college if you if you could afford to pay for that. But purchasing a home, huge investment. Often both people's names are on it. Uh, let me see that I have somebody else here. Often both folks names are on it. And you want to really be thinking clearly when you're talking about the house. So you you might talk to a real estate attorney specifically Maybe depending on where you are, your realtor will have enough information to help you with that. But I was looking up, um, when should you sell your home? So do you sell the house before you start filing for the divorce? Do you wait till you're in the middle of a divorce or after a divorce? So I'm just wondering what folks say. Hello, Mr. Mr. 
Um, and hey, Tracy. So this is the thing. You don't want to put your house on the market if you can avoid it while you're going through a divorce. That is absolutely the worst time. And one of the reasons it's the worst time is that information is public knowledge and realtors peep that really quickly. And, and mom, we had this happen when we were buying, before we bought this house, we looked at a house in a, a neighboring community and we knew when we got there that the couple was in the middle of a divorce. Matter of fact, I think we knew, we did know before that because my sister was our realtor and she found out. The couple was already separated. They were going through a horrible divorce. And so when people know that, they come in with a different kind of energy trying to buy your place because they know you're kind of up against the wall. You have to sell this house. So you don't want to put your house on the market and try to sell your house while you're going through a divorce if it's avoidable. I understand sometimes it's not avoidable. It's not, it's not an option. Um, you got two people involved and if one of them is telling you, no, we're going to put this house on the market now. I don't want to, then you may not have a whole lot of a choice of a choice. And I know two men um, who went through their divorce, begged their wives at the time to please wait, let one of us can stay in the house. I don't care because the market was changing and both of the wives put their foot down and said, we have to sell the house now. I want out of here. And if they had just waited six months to a year, one of them told me, actually, he said, we would have made another million dollars if we had just waited a year to sell that house. So this is why it's good to have really good communication. It's also why it's good to have a good attorney, a real estate person or a finance person to be able to kind of look at the market and give you an idea on what makes sense. So let's talk about selling the house before the divorce. Now, the benefits to that is you get to sit down and work this out together and figure out what's going on and not have uh, not have the stress of being in the middle of a divorce in order to do it. The buyers are clueless because they don't know that a divorce is coming. Um, you can actually protect the value of the home a little bit better because of that. And you don't feel like you're kind of losing, losing your negotiating power, which tends to happen when the house is, is on the market while the divorce is going on. It's that feeling of you're under pressure. You're kind of under, you're, you're, you're on a time clock. Like you got to try to get this done now. And that's not how you want to sell your home. That's not one of how you want to sell uh, something that's the, the biggest investment that you have. And you can avoid getting into some of these disputes about who's going to leave and who's going to stay. So if you are both still living in the house and you know this is happening, yeah, that could be a little awkward, but it's probably going to be awkward anyway if you do it during the divorce and you were still living together. So if this is a, a conversation that you're able to have with your partner, having it before anybody even files and at least give yourself some time to try to sell the house before you get that divorce paperwork in. Um, the negative side to doing that is, is the part that you might be living in a house with somebody. You know, you're trying to make future plans, both of you are trying to plan for the inevitable divorce and what's going to happen after. And now you've got this, this home sale to deal with. So that can be the, the, the negative aspect of it. Now, after the divorce, it, it could be really good. It could be, it could be better. You, you do want to try to keep the furnishings in the house because if you both left the home, it's after the divorce and the house is empty. Again, it's a telltale sign. What just happened? Well, these two went through a divorce. The house is now sitting here empty. So you can look at things like renting it out. You can have it staged to have furniture in there, but, um, it just makes it easier. The other thing that typically happens if you're selling a house after a divorce, it's probably already gone through the settlement process. And what that means is one of you now owns the house, right? So one of you bought the other one out and there's only one person involved. So after the divorce, you probably aren't really in communication or don't have to be in communication with your spouse about it unless that was worked out in your agreement, unless that is the last thing that needs to be done to actually finalize the agreement of your divorce. So that means you got, you're getting divorced. You know, the divorce is going to happen before the house is sold, but you've already agreed the house is going to be sold and we're going to split the proceeds. But otherwise, most of the time the house has been settled. So one of you bought the other one out and now you can sell the house as, as you want. And it may be a really good idea to do that. Even if you did get the house during the settlement, you had to buy your partner out. 
And the reason is, or the reasons are all the ones that I had mentioned on the front end. Can you actually afford the house by yourself? Does it make sense for you to stay in the house? And you heard Monica, you know, some people for the sake of appearances will, will live like a, a, a squatter in their own home and nobody, <laughs> nobody knows what's going on on the other side of that front door, but them, and they cannot afford the house. They're sitting in there with blankets on. They can't afford the, the electric bill, the heat bill, the water, everything is costing them but they don't want to give up that home. They don't want people to know the situation they're in. So you may have to humble yourself and you may have to just get really real with yourself and, and sit down with a pen and a piece of paper or a calculator and figure out, can I afford this? And how about this? Do I want to afford it? Because even if you can swing it financially, do you want to? Do you have something else that you could be doing with some of that money if you were to sell that house and move into a condo, you know, or sell that house and move into something smaller, does that give you more money to invest? Does that allow you to increase your savings? Um, maybe you get to invest and have a little bit money for vacation. And everybody on here, that's my family knows that vacation is we live for vacations. Like literally, like we, we plan spending around next year's, we have next year's vacation already, excuse me, already on the books. So figure out what's important to you. If you are going through a divorce or you've gone through one and you've got children and you want to make sure you've left money for them. My family's not real big on that. We told my grandmother to spend all her money while she was alive um, and just make the rest of us work. But figure out what's important to you. Where are your values? What's important to you? And if it's living more comfortably in something smaller so you can downsize, Forget about what it's going to look like. Do what is going to make you feel better because going through a divorce is already stressful enough. It's already challenging enough. It can already be, as Monica and I were just talking about, an emotional roller coaster for either one of the people involved. You don't need to add to that and compound the stress by adding the cost of a home that you can't afford on top of everything else that you're trying to deal with. It's, it's just too much. Um, you do get to stay in control of the house if you've already gone through the divorce, so that's good. And you're probably able to focus more on what needs to be done to really sell the house and, and get the best price for it if you do it after the divorce and there's only one of you involved. Um, the downside, yeah, you're dealing with it by yourself. Well, but you've got your attorney and your, your, your real estate agent, so not necessarily by yourself. And the cost of staging is something that I would say you might factor in if you're not still living in the house. So this is also a really good time to start downsizing and getting things out of the house. And I would say on the front side, this is also part of that financial cost. Start selling things that you don't need, uh, Facebook marketplace uh, or donating them to Goodwill, but start really starting, start to streamline uh, the things that you have. This is a good time to go through your closet and get rid of a bunch of clothes and shoes and things that you haven't been wearing. Clean the garage out. Do all of these things on the front end if you're already certain that this is going to happen. Don't wait until the house is sold or until you're in a rush to get it prepared for your realtor to sell it. Start doing these things incrementally because all of this done on the front end will help de-stress you. It'll help, let me not say de-stress, it'll prevent from adding to your stress as you actually go through this process. So I hope this has been helpful. And if you do know someone who's going through a divorce or on the brink of divorce, somebody that's been talking to you saying, yeah, you know, it's coming. Or if it's you, send them this so they can listen to it in a replay or at least clue them in. You need to really get your financial house in order before you go through this process. And what are you guys going to do with the house? So I just want to find out if anybody else has anything else they wanted to add or comment. Did this resonate with you? Does anybody want to share their own experience um, in terms of what they did? when when they went through their divorce or how how they handled selling the home or what did their financial situation do what was your change in your financial situation and i know um one of my aunts is on here she talks about telling her husband in advance i can tell the story because she's told it on here a couple times telling her husband i'm gonna leave i'm buying a car i'm getting a job i'm gonna leave and i'm filing for divorce so she literally just laid out everything she was gonna do 
But she says that when she finally got into her own place, when the bills started coming in, she said, I hadn't paid the bills before. I was a housewife. So she realized, oh, shoot, these are mine now. So, yeah, it's that whole prepare for the post-divorce part of your finances. And you can take a class, um, go to a financial class on, on home budgeting so that you can really get a, a, a bird's eye view or a closer look at what are all the finances I can expect to have um, when I go through this divorce after this is over, because maybe you haven't been the one responsible for all the utility bills. So you just didn't even pay attention to what they were. This is not really that uncommon, folks. Uh, I wish that it were, but it's not. Um, we can sometimes get into a situation where we just go day to day and trust that everything is going to be taken care of. And then something happens and you're trying to figure out why the power got cut off or why your cell phone's not working because you had not been the one paying that bill or why your lawn isn't getting watered anymore because it, it didn't, it, you weren't clued in. So wake up and pay attention Ask for help if you need it. Look for some professionals. Get your financial person, your real estate agent, your attorney who specializes in divorce or focuses on divorce and get another support support team. So that might be a really good family member, a therapist and a coach, um, a good friend that you're able to talk to. So you have people to bounce these things off of. But I want to thank everybody for being here this evening. It's a, it's a little after six. This has been a wonderful Thursday night. And uh, I'm going to keep an eye out for Jill and Anthony. I should have, I wanted to ask you to talk about your show, but they have three, four, oh my gosh, four shows. Yes. Anthony does a poetry show. Anthony and Jill have their own show. And Jill, you have three shows. And Jill has her show on weight loss. She is letting you track her weight loss journey, which I think is like very cool and very brave. And it's a fun show. And my Aunt Nadine, I think was on there for a minute. Actually, I think we were both on there for a minute. Uh, yesterday because we were on our phone separately talking about what we were scrolling through. So folks, make sure you get on here and support some folks on Fireside. You'll be glad you did. Have a good night, everybody. Thank you for listening. I'm your host, Dr. Lisa Summerhour. And until next time, remember your life, your journey, and divorce is not a destination. Created live on Fireside.